driving to town. And I'm like, man, this is my time. This is my opportunity. I'm going to get this girl into some, I'm going to get her into some wrestling. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And so I, I just ask her, I say, hey, WWE's coming to town. We're going, right? And she looks at me and she says, you buy the cotton candy and I'm in. So I said, okay, I'll buy the cotton candy. And we get her there and I, I just remember, you know, it's kind of like this. She's kind of inching in slowly, you know, just trying to test the waters. It's new to her. It's brand new. She really didn't like it to start with. And I'll never forget to the day that I die, about halfway through, I just look over and I see my wife. Now, if you know my wife, she's very sweet, very calm, you know, very friendly. I just look over and I see her stand up. And at the top of her lungs, like there's veins in her neck. And she goes, kill him! (laughs) And that's when I knew she loved me. Right then and there, I knew that she loved me. And everybody that was standing, like right before, like in front of her, they turned around and they were like, oh, geez, lady, who is this person? Please get her out. But seriously, that was the day I knew she loved me. Because my what had become her why. You know how you really know if you love somebody? Whenever their what becomes your why. Or you know that they love you whenever... Your what becomes their why. Now let me explain that just a a little bit. Kind of imagine with me for just a second. Okay, We're going to unpack this. I know that sounds a little bit confusing. It's something that you have to kind of think through. Imagine with me for just a second. Okay, Some of you have had this play out. You have a son or a daughter. Christmas time is coming. They've got something on the list that they want to have, right? Like some of our kids, they, they grow up liking certain things like Power Rangers, they're like Barney, they got to have that specific thing. It's on the Christmas list. Daddy, daddy, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. And so, what does mom and dad do? Sometimes it might be a little out of reach. I can't get it, can't afford it. So, what do we do as, as parents? What do we do as mom and dads? We work harder for it, right? Why? Because they're what matters. And so we push harder. We strive harder for it. And so this morning, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take a, just a little bit of a break from our series in Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts just about all year this year. We're going to take a little break over the next four weeks, and we're going kind of, to uh, kind of unpack and understand what it means for God's what to become our why. God's what, God, God's what He wants, how that becomes why we do the things that we do, not just as a church, but why you do the things that you do as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And what's really cool about this series is that we're right in the middle of this series with other churches in our area like Journey Church, and all their campuses this morning are hearing the same exact sermon. Uh, Hope Church that's over in Somerville, they meet on Saturday nights, they talk through the same exact thing that that we're participating in all together kind of a citywide effort to ask the same question. And, and here's why. Here's why we're doing this all together. Here's, here's our, our aim for this. Because if we're not on the same page, and if we're not after God's what, we'll never see what we want to see in our cities. If we're not after this together collectively, as the church, we'll never see what God wants to see here in our cities. 
We'll never see what we want to see in the low country. We'll never see what you and I even want to see in, in our lives. We will never see what we, what we want if we haven't fleshed it out and if we haven't asked the question, why? Until God's what becomes our why. Now let me, let me explain this just a second, okay? Now you might be asking, okay, what in the world is God's what? Another way to ask that question, what does God want? Have you ever asked that question? Like, what does God want? Not, 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 not what does God want for my life. Not does what, what does God want for me. Not what does God want in this situation, but just those simple questions. What does God want? Period. What does He want? I actually tried this out on somebody this week. I, I asked them these questions. I said, I said, what does God want? And they said, well, God wants us to be joyful. God wants us to be joyful, or God wants us to be happy. And I have to ask, okay, well, why? Talk back to me a little bit. Why? Why does God want us to be joyful? Why does God want us to be happy? Or they might say, God wants us to be on mission. Great, absolutely, but why? God wants us to be watching what we do, watching what we say. Yeah, that's great, but why? God wants us to read the Bible and He wants us to pray. Yeah, that's great, but why? God wants us to be in the church. He wants us to be active. He wants us to be servant. Yeah, that's great. God wants us to be saved. God wants us to be with Him in heaven. Absolutely, those things are great and those things are true, but we still haven't got to the why behind God's what or, or what God is really after. As a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, do you know what God really wants more than anything else in this entire world? What He wants from you more than anything else? Do you know what it is? I'm going to read some scripture to you this morning, and those words should be up on the screen. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea says that so as the, the waters cover the sea, so will the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the earth. Isn't that a beautiful picture we also see in places like Psalm 19.1. He says, to the choir master, a psalm of David. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies above, they proclaim his handiwork. From beginning to end, even in Revelation 21, we see the, one of the very last chapters of the Bible. It says, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Why? Because the glory of the Lord gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. The glory of the Lord. Until God's what becomes our why, we'll never see what we want to see in our city. We'll never see what we want to see in our lives. What does God want? What is God's what? He is all about His glory. He's all about His glory. Now, we're going to be looking at this over the next four weeks. We're going to be unpacking and answering that question, what does God want? The very first thing, the most important thing, the bottom line is that God wants and God exists and you exist to display His glory. That's why we're here this morning. But that's not really how we live, is it? We don't really live as if the glory of God is the most important thing. 
We don't look at our lives, we don't look at our day-to-day in and out and say, you know why I live, you know why I do the things that I do? It's so that God can look good, so that He can get the glory. And, and by the way, that, the word glory, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. If you were to travel to some of our, our brothers and sister nations around the world and you were to try to use this word glory, you actually couldn't use it because that word doesn't exist in several languages. They have to use the word beauty as a, as a missionary trying to unpack and try to explain that. I mean, beauty, the beauty of God, the majesty of God, making Himself known, the radiance, all those things. And so we don't necessarily live in such a way to make God, make Jesus Christ look beautiful. It's not really how we live. It's, it's more about who I marry. Oh, that's the most important thing. God's got this special person out there for me. Man, God's just all about me. He loves me. It's about where I marry. It's about where I move. It's about where I go to school. Man, how many of you know a college kid asking that question right now? Where do I go to school? What if I make the wrong decision? What, what happens if I, if I go to the wrong place? What does God want from me? What major should I have? What should I do? Oh my gosh, I don't know. Where do I go? I got a brother. He's 18. He's asking those same questions. What line of work should I be in? How my kids turn out? What if they turn out bad? What if? What are my hopes? What are my dreams? What if I make a mistake? Oh man, what? Sometimes we even do this in the church. It's all about me. Right? Like, it's all about me. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'm, I get it. I understand. You know, we got to serve, got to love. Don't ask me to do anything outside of my comfort zone. Sometimes even the way that we pray, right? Like, even the way that we pray. God, I, I need this. God, get me out of this. God, I don't have that last $25. I need that last $25 to pay the bill. You know, they're going to show up at the house. And kids got to eat. Lord, Lord. Even the way that we read the Bible sometimes is about us. Let me explain. Let me, let me show you. This is a, a coffee cup verse, all right? Some of you like, might be in church like your entire life. You might have it tattooed on your ankle. I don't know. Psalm 23, right? That's the, that's the psalm that we all love. You probably pray it over your kids at night before you lay them down. Psalm 23, it, you might press that button on the precious memories button, and it, it comes up. Lord, I, I just Psalm 23, listen, a psalm of David. He says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. You can read it along if you know the words. He restores my soul, right? God's all about me. He's so in it for me, man. God loves me. God's all about me. He's going to lead me beside the green pastures, man. It's all going to be easy. God reflourishes my soul. This is God just loves me. But it says right there in the last verse, verse 3, He leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? His name's sake. Even the way that we read the Bible, think about us. It's about me. It's about my story. And God, I'll include you in there, man. I'm happy to... I'm happy to throw you in as a part of my story. See, God's glory is greater than your story. God's glory is greater than my story. 
His glory is the most important thing. His glory is what He's after. You see, your story is too small of a thing to live for. Consistently worrying about where you go and about where you lay your head and about what are my kids going to turn out like and, and, and what if I make the wrong decision. That's not the most important thing. Your story is not the most important thing. It's His glory. His glory is greater than your story. It's greater than. And let me tell you, listen, I know that for some of you this is hard to hear, but this is the best news that I could possibly give you. This is the best news that I or anybody else could possibly give you, that your story is not the most important thing, that it's all about Him, and that it's all about His glory. That is the best news that you could possibly hear this morning. That it's not about you. What if you never reach your potential? What if your kids turn out terrible? What if you get a terrible diagnosis? Is it over? Well, I guess God just can't work. What if I move to the wrong place? What if? Well, I guess God's hands are tied. I guess He's boxed in. I guess your story's done. I guess it's over. That's just not the way that God works. It's not the way that He works. I mean, if it's just about you and your story, you know what? It might be the end. It might be worth just shutting it down and turning the lights off. It might be worth giving up. But if it's not about you, if it's about the glory of God, His glory can shine in so many different places. Even in the worst of circumstances, even when you do make a mistake, even whenever it doesn't turn out your way, even when you do get the diagnosis, the glory of God can still be on display. You see, we are part of a much bigger story that has been going on long before we got here, and it will be going on long after we leave this place. And that's the best news that I could possibly give you, and I hope that you find joy in that this morning. But you see, here's the good news, is that your story and God's glory, it can intertwine. And that's the way that it's designed to be. God wants to use you for His glory. Like a, like, like a reflector, you can, you can see me up on this stage. You can see light shining off of my face. You can see that there is light there in the, in the sky, in the ceiling. You can see that there's something else there, and I'm just displaying light. That's the way that we're supposed to live our lives, displaying the light of God, the light of Jesus Christ. Now, sure, there's going to be some of you here this morning, and you're going to be, listen, you don't understand my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what I've done to somebody. There's no way I'm out of reach. There's no way that not even God could use my own story for His glory. Some of us here say this this morning. And I've even talked to, to several of, of my friends, and I've, I've had these conversations. You don't know my story, dude. You don't know my history. There's no way that God would want to use me. There's no way. I'm out of reach. And that's good news for us too this morning. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. That's where we're going to be camping out this morning, Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can just see it right over there at our connect table. That's a 
free gift for you, Ephesians chapter 1, and the words should be up on the screen. We're going to start in verse 3. If you got it, say, I got it. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of whose will? My will, your will, His will. According to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to, again, His purpose with which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to what? To the counsel of His will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of what? To the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Why? To the praise of His glory. Now, there's just a few things in there that I really want to point out to you. Ephesians 1, especially for those of you who might be saying that, that, that God can't use you, that your story is too dark, that you've gone down a path, that somebody has, has abused you, that somebody has taken advantage of you, that you have done that to somebody. Listen to these words. It says that we have been adopted as sons and as daughters through Jesus Christ. It's not like you are a son or a daughter. It's not as if you are a son or a daughter. You are a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. You are. You've been brought into the family. It's not like it might have happened or it could have happened. You know, maybe it, maybe it did. I don't know. If you follow Jesus, he says that I've brought you into my family as an adopted son or daughter. It goes on to say that, that as sons and daughters that we have an inheritance. That we have an inheritance. You know who, in, who inherits something? You know who we generally make out and we give everything that we have to? We call that an inheritance. You know who you give that to? You give it to family. Give it to your sons. You give it to your daughters. He said about us that I have an inheritance for you. You don't give, generally, you don't give an inheritance to strangers. You don't give an inheritance to people that aren't a part of your household, who aren't a part of the family. You give that to your most beloved. 
And he said, to the praise of his glorious grace, he's got an inheritance for you. Oh, man. He says that we've been given his spirit to the glory of his praise. He's given us all these things to say, you are mine and you can be used and you are a part of the family and now it's time for my glory to shine through your life as a child of mine. And you see, here's the good news this morning is that God's goodness is greater than evil. God's goodness is greater than evil. We weren't always redeemed. We weren't always sons or daughters. And yes, your life might be bended. Your life might be broken. It might be twisted. It might be dark. But guess what? God's goodness is greater than that evil. Only God can bend evil for good. Only God can take your story that might be broken, might be messed up, and twist it and turn it for His glory for good. He's a professional at it. This is what he does. Is he takes people just like you, takes people like me with broken histories and broken stories. And he says, I'm going to fix you. And I'm going to use you even, I'm going to even use the brokenness. I'm even going to use the brokenness for my glory. Uh, there's a missionary out on the field. Actually, it's one of Chris's former colleagues, former friends. His name's Steve Smith. and Steve Smith was a, a missionary, I believe in China, all, all over the place. Um, and he was diagnosed with cancer many, um, many months ago. He was diagnosed, and he, as soon as he got the diagnosis, it becomes this moment and this question of, what's going to happen to my boys? What's going to happen to my wife? Who's going to take care of them? What's going to happen for the mission? I'm so involved here, I'm involved there, I'm involved in so many different places. What's going to happen? And history tells us that he had just a few weeks left of his life and he knew that the end was near. And with this in mind, knowing that his cancer was terminal, he had just a few weeks to jot down a few of his thoughts. And I want you to listen to just a few words that Steve Smith wrote. He says, knowing that I've got a few weeks left to live, knowing that my life is near in, here's what I have to say. He is worth it. He's worth it. Why give your life to anything less than His absolute glory? I'm thankful that at the age of 18, God saw fit to instill in me a value to let my life bring the greatest glory to Him. Listen to this. Each next step decision in my life has been guided by whether it gave him the fullest honor. This has led our family to some lonely places and some impoverished circumstances, as well as some positions of influence and more comfortable locales. The circumstances have never guided us. Only his worship. He is worth it. Why give your life to anything else? See, he had just gotten this diagnosis and said it wasn't good. Now, eventually, he did pass. And as he had time to look over his life, he said, you know what? Even at death's doorstep, he said, it ain't about me. It's not about me. It's not about my story. It's about the glory of God being made known. You see, if you live long enough, 
you're going to bleed. If you live long enough, you're going to suffer. You just might get the diagnosis that you are afraid to hear about. If you live long enough, you're going to live with scars. And if it's just about your story, you might be thinking, well, my life is ruined. I'm done. I, I can't keep going on. There's nothing else to live for. And again, if it's just about you and if it's just about your story, you might be right. It is dark. It is gloomy. It is reason to despair. But, oh, man. If you're living for something much greater, if you're living to display His beauty, it's not over. Only God can bend evil for good. Even think about that in Romans 8.28. We quote this verse a lot. We talk about this verse a lot. That you know, It's kind of that verse that we make about us. Again, another one of those verses we make about us. That all things work together for the good of those who love Him. And what? And are called according to what? His purposes. So God's goodness is greater than evil, but even what we see from the text that not only is God's goodness greater than evil, but God's power is greater than weakness. God's power is greater than weakness. Listen, God loves to use weak people. God will even intentionally weaken people so that they might be better used for His glory. He will intentionally weaken you and weaken me. So that people can look at us and say, you know what, I see a weakness there. I see some great flaws in them, but you know what, I see that something great about them has taken place. It's got to be something other than them. It's got to be something. It's got to be only God. You see, every single person in this room this morning, you have a weakness, I've got a weakness. Some of those are secret. Some of those are not so secret. Some of you can see. Some of everybody in the room knows, maybe knows what your weakness is. We've all got weaknesses. Does that mean that you can't be used for the glory of God? Maybe we should just fold it up, you know, and go home? No. It means that you're perfect for the job. Means that God wants to use you as his son or daughter to display his glory throughout the world. You are for, you have been made and designed specifically for his purposes. I think about even the man that wrote this. You think he didn't have weakness? Goodness gracious, the man had to walk around for the rest of his life growing up the church, knowing that at one time he was mainly responsible for killing Christians. Well, one time he was responsible for throwing men, women, and children into the gallows. You think he didn't walk around feeling weak? Walk around, he said, with this thorn in my flesh? Many people even think that Paul was, was blind. That he had such a physical ailment that he was blind. Now, many people think that. Many people can, can reason from that through the Scriptures. If you're weak this morning, if you're broken this morning, let me encourage you that, that he just might have done some of that and been a part of that. I don't mean that he caused any of that. I don't mean that he caused you to, to fall into sin. I don't mean that he caused any of those things. But he has certainly brought you to a place so that his glory might be better on display through your life. 
Let me read from you from 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. He says that we're jars of clay. It says that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He's saying that God has chosen to use weak people. Now, in the church, sometimes I I heard this verse read, and he's talking about those jars of clay, you know, and you might be in that kind of circle. Listen, you have been perfectly designed into this jar of clay. God has handcrafted and he's designed you. That's kind of how I grew up thinking that what that verse meant. I mean, really what he's saying is you're weak. (laughs) A clay vessel or a clay pot, you thump it and it breaks. It's incredibly vulnerable. And what Paul has just said here to the church at Corinth is that God is, he's designed us to be weak so that his glory might be on display when we are afflicted, when we are in the middle of suffering, when we hurt. That's what he's saying. His power is greater, even greater than our weakness. Now going back to Ephesians, he says that we have been sealed with this promised Holy Spirit. And one of the most important things, if we're going to use God's power over evil or goodness over evil, if we're going to use God's power over weakness, then one of the most important things is that God's voice has to be greater than knowledge. You understand that? That God's voice has to be greater than knowledge. You see, there's a lot of us in this room this morning we're still living off of yesterday's truths and things that God taught us a long time ago. And there's even things that we know just in the flesh, we know to be true, and sometimes we allow what we know in information to speak to us louder than God's voice. Hearing God's voice today is always better than relying on what He taught you 23 years ago. Are you hearing from God on a daily basis? Now, I have to admit that one of my favorite things to do right now, I love talking to my son. I love talking to my son. Now, for those of you who don't know yet, that might sound, my son isn't even born yet, but I love talking to him. You know why I I love kind of, you know, gathering near my wife so that I can talk to my son? You You know why I like doing that? Because whenever he comes out, I want him to know his daddy's voice. I want him to know, yeah, that's, that's dad right there. Those are going to be his first words, of course, absolutely. Dad, 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 it's so much easier to say than ma, ma, ma. But whenever he's born, whenever he's delivering, whenever I hold him into my hands and I say to him for the very first time, Maverick, I'm your dad, I want him to be able to recognize my voice. Do you recognize the voice of the Father? Do you recognize him whenever he's speaking to you? Those moments whenever it's just you and it's just him. His voice is greater than what you know. His voice is greater than what you're relying on. And I, I, we said it last week, and I just want to reiterate it again. If you're not hearing from God on a daily basis, you're lost. I don't mean lost in the sense that you don't know Jesus, Okay but you don't have a leg to stand on. This is our only source of strength 
that we have is hearing from God's voice. Do you recognize Him when He speaks to you? Because here's the thing, God, whenever He speaks, He's going to cause you to do some crazy things. Whenever you listen to the voice of God over yourself, He's going to ask you to do some strange things. I want to show you a clip very quickly, and I should be up on the screen this morning. When he spoke to me, I was on the floor looking up at him from under the table. He just stopped and he said, um, did I shoot you yet? And I said, no. And he said, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave you here to tell a story. Seven feet. I'm outside the Emmanuel AME Church. We do know that several people have been shot. Barren, strange fruit. When we close our eye to pray, that when he lit up the room. Blood on the leaves. Bear with me, okay? How many shots has he fired? He's reloading. He's reloading. And blood at the roots. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Racism is this American example pie. And that's why I don't understand why so many people are shocked. You had the nerve to get on TV and say this is the holy sin. What's holy about it? trees I've seen other cities explode under the weight of a single murder of the gallant now we have nine dead bodies in a church there's going to be a response oh but God works in mysterious ways strange fruit Some people see the family's forgiveness as submission, but that act of forgiving people is the greatest act of love that one could ever experience. Obviously, that should hit a little close to home. Uh, if you remember, uh, four years ago, whenever this happened, um, one of the most catastrophic things that could ever happen. And uh, I invite you as a church to go and see this documentary that comes out. It's only out uh, next Monday and next Tuesday. I invite you to go and see this. And it's a powerful story. And let me tell you a little bit as to why it's powerful. That morning there in the courtroom, there was a pastor, one of the pastors there, Mother Emmanuel, his wife was one of the nine, Pastor Thompson. And he didn't want to go to the trial. He didn't want to go to the trial, didn't want to participate, didn't want to see the murder of his wife and his friends. He said, I'm not going. There's no way I'm going. He was finally coerced. You got to go got to be there for this he stops at the courtroom doors he looks at his two daughters his surviving daughters he says we're here he says, but we're not going to say a word this entire trial so we're not going to say a word you're not going to say a word I'm not going to say a word we're just going to sit here 
says that as he was sitting there through the trial, the voice of God caused you to do some crazy things. The voice of God spoke to him. You need to say something. You need to say something. I'm not going to do it, God. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say anything. The voice kept saying, you need to stand. You need to stand. You need to stand. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So finally there came this moment where it was just overwhelming that the voice of God was speaking to him so powerfully, so clearly. He says, you need to stand up and you need to say something to, the, to this person. So Pastor Thompson, he stands and he gets this moment to speak to the murderer of his wife. He says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Now in the trailer there, you heard those words that even around the country, there's been several instances, not even exactly like this, over one person being, one black person being killed in the streets. And it's just, there's these riots and there's this massive chaos in the streets and police and, and African-Americans are hostile towards each other. He says, you're going to expect that right here in Charleston. But what happened the family stood up and they said we forgive you and my friend Philip Pinckney there in the trailer he says you would expect that right and in the documentary he finishes it out by saying you want to know that God is real you want to know that God exists come and take a look at the unburnt streets of Charleston because this is what God's glory can do even in the worst of circumstances, even whenever evil is shining bright, even whenever you're weak. This is what can happen. Now some of you, your story is wrecked. Your story just looks bleak, it looks broken. God wants to use it. And just what can happen every single one of us would choose to say that I'm going to allow the glory of God to speak over my story. I'm going to allow the power of God to speak over evil. I'm going to allow His goodness to shine. I'm going to allow His voice to speak over what I know to be true. What if we live this way? What would happen what if we made decisions like this, where we made decisions, each and every single one of us, whenever you wake up in the morning, you've got a decision. If today, am I going to live for the glory of God or am I going to live for my own story? Who's going to get the glory today? Which will it be? Am I going to take this job for the glory of God or am I going to continue to live for my story? Am I going to live and, and treat my, my kids this way for the glory of God, to raise them up this way? Or is it all about me and my story? Until his what becomes our why. Never see what we want to see. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and God, we don't have all the answers. God, we don't have the strength to live for your glory over our story. We are weak. We've been hurt. We've been scarred. 
we need your voice. We need your spirit to speak to us, to give us the strength to choose the glory of God over our story. We love that only you can bend evil for good. We love that you choose to do this with us, that you have chosen to call us sons and daughters, that we are a part of the family of God. We love you, Jesus.